All right, so if you want to grab the connection books that are uh, in the in the rows there, Randy will, Randy will remember eventually. It's okay. <laughs> um, and kids, if you want to head out for Reach Kids, uh, it looks like we're already heading out, so we're good to go. <coughs> all right, well, good morning, Reach Church. Good to see you all. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have, uh, you have brought us through this week and, and back into your temple, not because of this building, but because you have filled each and every one of us with, with your spirit, that as we believe in you, we are filled. And Father, we ask that this would be a, um, a refreshing time for your people. And Father, we ask that it would be a time where we can remember the work of Jesus what he has done for us, and Father, that we would proclaim that word with boldness and, and in the midst of trial. Father, I ask that we would be a church that is filled with much purpose and much joy, and Father, that we'd be looking for, for eternal things and not bogged down by this life. Father, would you use this, this passage, and uh, would you use Paul's life as an example, and Father, would you fill us with the joy that is found in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, so these last weeks, these last weeks, um, we've been basically looking at, at different dimensions of the Christian life. So we looked at, at Martha and Mary and sitting at the feet of Jesus. We looked at the, the sinful woman who is commended for her love and not condemned for her sin. And this week, this week, we are looking at, uh, at the call of the church, the call of the church, the, the mission of the church what we are called to proclaim, what we are called to actually bring to the world. Now, I, do I think you don't know this? No, I, I think you, of course, know this. But it's a reminder to us that, that this church is, is not here for ourselves, that we are here to do the mission that Jesus has given us. That we are here to proclaim Christ, to proclaim nothing but Jesus, which I hope is, is clear that that is our goal here, to proclaim nothing but Jesus. And so today we're going to be looking at, at Paul, Paul describing his ministry, uh, describing what, what his mission is to, to proclaim, what the point of his life is to the people in Corinth. He's trying to minister to this, this church that is incredibly worldly, that is distracted by, by life going on around them. And they're actually accusing Paul of, of not being worldly enough, of not focusing on this life enough. Of, of not working on his credentials and not uh, making the church look good. And Paul is going to describe his ministry to these people. Remind them, remind them of what the purpose of the church is, what the purpose of his life is. All right. Now, why should we care what this man 2,000 years ago uh, said about the mission of the church? Why, why is he so important? Um, now, you could say, well, it's in the Word, so yeah, so the Holy Spirit said it, so we need to listen. Uh, that, that's a good answer, too. But uh, if we largely look at Paul's life, if we look at Paul's life, Paul was someone, I think, who, who lived his life well. Paul suffered. He suffered immensely. But in the midst of all of that suffering, this is a man who had great joy, who had great peace. This is a man who 2,000 years later, we are still looking at. Now, very few people have that, that lasting influence. But because 
uh, of his heart, because of his, his purpose, he actually had this great impact on the kingdom, on the world. And this is a guy who you throw in prison and he still has a purpose. This is someone who you, you shipwreck him twice and he's, he's joyful and he's still proclaiming the gospel. This is a man who, who does not get discouraged, who, who keeps fighting and keeps going forward. And so my hope is that we can kind of hear about Paul's heart and that we can embrace that heart for ourselves, that we'd be a church that does not get discouraged and keeps pushing forward proclaiming Christ. All right? So that's the plan. That's the plan. So we're going to see that, we're going to look at Paul's life and see, see what he came to proclaim. We're going to see how God told him to proclaim it and then what the result was. So what he proclaimed, how he did it, and the result. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 18. Second Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 18. We're going to be jumping in, kind of jumping in the midst of a book. I recognize that, so uh, bear with that. Let's see that Paul, Paul proclaimed, he proclaims Jesus in weakness and in suffering. Second Corinthians five, uh, 4, verses 5 through 18. Read with me. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that his grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. All right. I really like this passage. This is a good, this is a good word. And we're going to see in this passage that that Paul, Paul comes to proclaim nothing but Jesus. He does it through suffering and through sorrow and through trial, but he's looking forward to an eternal weight of glory. And that is the goal. So let's just jump right into this. All right, Paul begins by, by telling the Corinthian church what he is proclaiming to them. 
What is he proclaiming? And accordingly, we're going to see what, what we as the church should be proclaiming to the world. Verse 5. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. All right. So when we go out into the world, we are to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord. That he is the king, that he is the one who has created us. He is the one who, who leads our lives. Now what does that mean? That means that we don't get to present ourselves as Lord. That we don't get to decide what the agenda is, what the rules are, what the methods are, that Jesus is Lord. Now, that, that's the hard part of, of what we proclaim. Because the world does not want a Lord. The world already has a Lord, and it is themselves. Everyone already has a Lord, and it's their own hearts that they follow. Listen to your heart. That's, that's the mantra. And so, this is the hard part. And, and we are called to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And to proclaim it with our lives, with our words, with our actions, that we are actually following this Jesus, that we know him and love him, and he dictates our actions, not our own hearts. All right. Now, there's the other dimension of that. Now, we proclaim pro two things. Jesus, Jesus is Lord and not ourselves as Lord. But the second part, which is kind of balances out the scariness of, of calling, saying Jesus is Lord, there's another aspect here. It's that Paul says he presents himself as, as your servant, your servant. Now, we'd think that if, if, if Jesus is Lord, then we would present ourselves as, as Jesus' servants, right? That, that we present ourselves to the world as the servants of this king. But Paul doesn't say that, actually. He does, he does actually kind of the, he takes it one step further. Ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. As your servants for Jesus' sake. So Paul presents himself as, as the servant of this church in Corinth, of the people of Corinth, of those who need to hear the message of Jesus. Now I hope that's sort of a paradigm shift for us. Because I think we, we assume that, well, well, maybe we need to present ourselves as, as lords, as authorities. Now, we see that in, when we kind of act like parents to the people who are unbelievers. And we, we have to judge their actions, and we determine, okay, we tell them what is good and what is bad. We have to punish them or, or reward them for good behavior. We have to manage the world and manage the people around us so that they are good enough so that they're following the rules. That's us acting as, as lords. Or maybe, maybe we present ourselves as servants of Jesus. As servants of Jesus, not servants of the world. And what that looks like is that we kind of point fingers at them and, and present ourselves as if we're serving the Lord, but why, why aren't you serving the Lord? Or you can trample over people that, that they're not helping us serve the Lord. They're getting in the way. All right, this, this is the paradigm shift. It should be. 
that the people out there in the world are not, are not obstacles, they're not competition. They are the ones that we serve. They are the ones that we serve for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. And so we see this, this beautiful balance here. So we say, Jesus is Lord, but you know what? We are going to serve you. We're going to serve you, meet your needs, love you where you are. Now, there's churches that do one or do the other. We want to be a church that does both. That does both. Because Paul did both because he, he understood the gospel. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like for us as a church? All right, that should shape the questions, the questions that we ask about the church. So when we think about what the church should do, we should not be asking, okay, like, what kind of worship do I like? We should be asking, okay, what kind of worship will help people enjoy Jesus? Or what, what do I want from the church? No, what, what can the church give to this community, to people who need Jesus? Not how can I be served by the church? How can I, how can I serve so that this church can, can go out and proclaim the message? We're the servants of the world for Jesus' sake. And that should shape our attitude. That when we go to people of the world, we're asking, how can we serve you? We are humble. We are... We have the, stand, the stance, the posture of a servant, not of a Lord. All right. Now, that's a lot to ask. Yes? That's a lot to ask. That's not what we naturally want. And so Paul, Paul then explains, okay, why do we want to have this attitude? What's going to push us out and, and force us to do this? What is motivating our service of the world? Look at verse 6. It's what God has done for us. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. All right, these are like those gobbledygook theological statements that, that if you read them fast, they don't mean anything. So we're going to slow down with this. All right. And that, that's what happens with the Bible. There's lots of like weird long statements like this that don't mean anything. You have to slow down. You have to slow down. So, so why do we serve as humble servants of the world, first, because God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. All right, so Paul's, Paul's jumping back to Genesis and saying that the God who created, created light out of darkness, that there was, there was nothing, and out of nothing but darkness, Jesus, God, God spoke through, through Jesus, that works, he's the word, um, that God spoke let light shine out of darkness, and there was light. There was light. It did not exist before, but God put it there. That that same God, that same God, has shone in our hearts. That our hearts, which were dark, which were lost, which did not understand, which could not see, that God miraculously spoke, and he shone into our hearts to give us what? To give us what? To give us the light of knowledge. It's not the physical light. It's the light of knowledge. And the knowledge of what? Of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
that this God miraculously spoke so that we would know that the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus. That when we look at Jesus, we see the glory of God. That all of the love, all of the power, all of the holiness, all of the grace of God is contained in the face of Jesus Christ. And that that, just like the miracle of creation has happened in those who know Jesus, that's what Paul is saying. And that's how we should think about the, the knowledge that we have. That if you know Jesus Christ as more than just a dead carpenter, if you know him as Savior, as King, as God, as the resurrected Savior, God has shown into your heart and given you the light of knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. And if that has happened, then Paul is saying you should naturally want to be a servant and you should want to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Now why? Why? First of all, why should you want to proclaim Jesus as Lord if that has happened to you, if you've seen all the glory of God in the face of Jesus? Because if you've seen Jesus for who he is, you know he's Lord. And you've known that you are not Lord, that you don't deserve to be Lord, and you're not going to give anyone anything else. That you don't want to shackle people to just the law or to this vague God out there. That if you're going to present a Lord, you're going to present Jesus Christ in all of his grace and holiness and majesty. This God who dies for his people and who has mercy on his people and grace on his people. We give people Jesus so that they would have a living Lord who is going to, to give them the best that they can get. All right. So it should shape how, how, we, how we present Jesus as Lord, but it also should shape why we think of ourselves as servants. Why we think of ourselves as servants. Now, if you've seen this Jesus, you understand that you have been served that you've been served, that he has, he has done the work for you. And that you don't have to serve anymore in that same sense. You're done serving the law. You're done serving the world. That Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. Now you are free to serve. In another sense, like, this gives us great integrity. It gives us great... That's the wrong word for it. It gives us great dignity. It can be humiliating to serve. It can be shameful to serve. It can be, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard and we don't want to do it. It makes us feel like idiots. But when we see this, we see that we have been miraculously newly created by the glory of God coming to us we can serve without, without feeling like servants. We serve for Jesus' sake. We serve in, in power. It doesn't have to be a humiliating thing because we know who we are in Christ. And then finally, finally, if you have seen this, if your eyes have been opened, you can't just sit there and say nothing. That you can't let people walk around in the darkness 
that you feel this, this need to, to shine, to show people who are lost the reality of who this Jesus is. That the glory of God is not in this scary thing to behold, but it is found in the face of Jesus on the cross risen, and then risen from the dead. So we go out as servants hoping to proclaim this message, to proclaim Jesus as Lord. All right. All right, second point, second point. How do we do that? How do we do that? Because there's a million ways that we, should tr we, we can think about, and, and we try to reason this out in our heads. How do we do that best? How do we proclaim Jesus as Lord, and how do we present ourselves as, as people's servants? And the nice thing is that uh, God has already decided how we're going to do that, and he tells us, verse 7. So he tells us we're going to do it as jars of clay, as suffering people. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. All right. What does that mean when Paul calls us that, that the treasure is contained in us who are jars of clay? All right. A jar of clay, that's, that's the most mundane, boring, sundry thing in the whole ancient world. It has nothing special about itself. No one cares about jars of clay. In excavation sites, they find so much clay, you just leave it there. No one cares. That there are thousands and millions of jars of clay, and it's not about the jar. It's about what is contained in that jar, this fragile, mundane, useless jar. Now, the modern-day modern equivalent. Um, what is this? This is, this is a, or a, 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 I'm going to say a cardboard box. A cardboard box. All right. I'm going to start thinking of us as, as Amazon shipment cardboard boxes. <laughs> All right? That's what we are. That's what we are. All right. When those show up at your door, like, you actually are excited to see it, Right? You're excited to see that cardboard box, but not for the cardboard box. You're not excited to have the cardboard. You're excited to have the thing that's inside. All right, so that's where we, we as, as believers, we are servants of the world. People should be excited to see us coming. All right, if not, there's a problem. Um, and a lot of times we ruin that. But they're excited to see us coming because they know what's inside. It's not about us. It's not about trying to make the packaging look good. We are just cardboard boxes bringing, bringing the treasure. That's the goal. All right, so the, the, the goal is not to make people love the cardboard and be attracted to this box and to make ourselves look really good, so, oh, cool, cool, I want to be a cardboard box too. No, the point is to give them the treasure. All right? To give them the treasure inside. And oddly enough, God's plan for getting the treasure out of the box is to crush the box. Is to crush the box and open the box and tear the box up and get the box out into the world. Look at verse 8. 
Paul describing his, his ministry as a jar of clay. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. All right. And there's two, there's two senses to how we come as, as, as cardboard boxes to the world. <laughs> so first, it, it takes suffering to proclaim the message of Jesus. Just inherently, it takes suffering to do it. To get the package, from the, the treasure from Amazon shipment station to your house, the cardboard box has to suffer. It's a poor little cardboard box. And he gets a beat up on the, on the delivery. That's his whole point. It's to suffer so that the people can get what they need. All right, that's, that's, our, that's our mission. And we're going to get beat up in the process. Paul, Paul describes it. Afflicted in every way, persecuted, struck down, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Now, this is not a flattering way of describing his ministry. The thing is, this is the, the honest way that if Paul was going to get the message out to the world, this is what he had to go through. That's the only way to do it. And if we're going to get the message out and proclaim that Jesus is Lord, and that we are its servants, we are going to have to suffer. Not because we're doing anything wrong, not because we're doing it stupidly, but because that's just what a servant does. A servant suffers. And God's servants suffer for proclaiming the name of Jesus. Now, maybe that means talking to your coworkers and they hate you afterwards. Maybe that means having your neighbors over who you, you don't like that much. All right, maybe that means having two services, which is going to ruin our lives. So, you know, it's those kind of stuff. <laughs> but we serve. We serve and we keep serving knowing that, that that's the only way to proclaim the message. And yeah, the cardboard boxes are going to get beat up in the process, but the treasure is going to get where it needs to go. And so I'd encourage us, yes, let's, let's suffer together. Let's suffer to proclaim the message of Jesus. There's no other way around that. All right, but there's a second sense in which, in which God's people are called to suffer. And that's where we see that they, they do suffer, but, but look, it's, it's, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are persecuted, but we, we are not forsaken. We are struck, but we are not destroyed. This is where if we truly believe the things that Jesus has done, if we have seen the glory of Jesus, or the glory of God in the face of Jesus, we know that, yes, yes, we'll be afflicted, but, but we'll never be crushed. We'll never be crushed. We cannot be crushed. The resurrection life of Jesus is inside of us. We'll be persecuted, but not forsaken. That no matter what we get, we get trampled on, we'll know that we have not been forsaken by the Lord but he is calling us to do this for Jesus' sake. That we are never forsaken. We get struck down, but we will never be destroyed. We'll never be destroyed. Man cannot destroy us. We are new creations. We are resurrection people. No matter what we go through, we will never be destroyed. And that's where 
the more that you crush the cardboard box, the more you see what's inside. Have you ever received one of those boxes and you can like, you see half the stuff that's in there? <laughs> one time we got, we got a, a wedding package that was sent to us and it was just empty because it had been so destroyed. Uh, we don't want that. We don't want that. But um, the, more, the more that we crack the shell of the jar of clay, the more we start to see what's inside. And that's the goal. That's the goal. That when people see our lives, they see that that we are not special, that we are ordinary, breaking, cracking, crushed creatures, but that there's, there's treasure inside of us. And it starts to leak out. That maybe there is something different about this one. Maybe there's something special inside of this one. I can see it through the suffering, and I can see that they're suffering without despair, without feeling forsaken by God, that they still have hope. You will, we will suffer. We will suffer. But we will never be forsaken. We will never be destroyed. Now Jesus, Jesus cannot say that. And when we think of Jesus, Jesus was afflicted in every way and he was crushed. He was persecuted, yes, and he was forsaken. That on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he was destroyed but because Jesus was destroyed and forsaken and abandoned, we will never be. We will never be. That no matter what the world throws at us, we will never be in the same position that Jesus was. He has taken that for us. And he has taken that from us. And so we can suffer knowing that we will never suffer as Jesus has for us. And what happens? Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So the beauty is that we get to be like Jesus. We look kind of like Jesus. We are dying, we are suffering, and we are bringing the life of Jesus to people. We're bringing life. All right. Now the happy part. The happy part. All right. Perk up. Perk up. This is the good stuff. All right. What's the result of all this? What is the result of all this? The result is glory. The result is glory. Three kinds of glory. Glory for the people we come to save. Glory for God and glory for ourselves. There is glory in this ministry. That yes, in this life, we are going to look like jars of clay. We are going to look like cardboard boxes. But we are bringing glory to the world. Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what, I, what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So as the cardboard box, Paul gets to preach and he gets to speak. He gets to talk about the hope and the one that he believes in. And what's the result? People will be resurrected in the final days. And they will be brought into the presence of Jesus Christ and be there for all eternity. 
Now, that's the purpose. That's the purpose. We are suffering so that men and women out there can be with Jesus Christ for all eternity, glorifying him. Now, maybe we don't get excited about that, but Jesus does. This is the same Jesus that would leave the, leave the 99 and rejoices over this one lost sheep being saved. We do this for the glory of the people out there, for the lives of the people out there, for the freedom of the people out there, that they be with us for an eternity, for, for all eternity. Second, we do this for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Look at verse 15. For it is all for your sake, the sake of the, the people, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So yes, it's for their sake that they may have grace upon grace. And that's where, like, we proclaim Jesus as Lord because he gives grace to people. Not because he, he's a tyrant. He gives grace to people. He gives forgiveness. He gives mercy. He gives love. And as those people receive grace, they are thankful. They are thankful to God for saving them, for, for dying for them, for raising from the dead for them. And the final result is glory. Glory for God. That that glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ would enter more and more people's hearts and that the glory of God would spread through the world. That's what we're looking for. And that's why we're not content with, with a few people. No, we want more and more people to hear about Jesus so, the, so that Jesus would be glorified, that the face of Jesus would be beautiful to more and more people. All right, last part. It means glory for us. Glory for us, verse 16. So we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Why? Why do we not lose heart? It's easy to lose heart. There's a lot of suffering out there. And our lives are hard enough without having to, to increase our suffering to minister to the world. But Paul is saying he does not lose heart because he's sustained by the glory of God. He's sustained by the glory of God. And we think, okay, what does it mean? What does it mean that this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. All right, first, that suffering, that suffering is preparing for us glory together, that there are more people in heaven with us, that the glory that they see is going to be the glory that we receive. Together, we're going to glorify God. It's going to be a glory party in heaven. All right, glory on glory. Beauty on beauty, praise on praise. But the final aspect of this is that, that as we do this, we are changed. That as we do this, we as our little cardboard box selves are filled up with more and more glory. 
that this God that we love is pleased with this work. And he pours out more glory upon us. And when we get to that final place, the glory that is inside of us will become external, will be visible, and will be glorious. Now I recognize that it's, it's, it's intangible. And it feels like, okay, is it, is it worth the suffering to get glory that's going to come? And that's where Paul says, he, he calls it unseen. He calls it intangible. But it's going to be real. And in that day, you're going to be able to touch it. And you're going to be able to see it. And you're going to see people in the new heavens and new earth who did this. And they will look different because of it. They will be glorious. They will be beautiful. Their faces will shine radiant like Jesus' face shines. And that's the point. That we'll be more like Jesus when we get there. That the more we have died on the cross in this life, the more we will be resurrected and glorious. That's why we don't lose heart. But yeah, you can throw the kitchen sink at us and we become more glorious for it. All right, why does this matter? Who cares? I, as your pastor, am leading you towards suffering. All right, I recognize that. I recognize that. And I'm going to ask you to serve. I'm going to ask you to give more on a Sunday. I'm going to ask you to, to give more and more of your lives. Then I'm going to have to ask myself to give more and more of my life. And if we don't remember these truths, we are not going to be able to do it and we're going to resent God, and we're going to become bitter people. But the reality is, is the, the more that we give, the more that we get, then eternity will be different because of it. And that's why we do it. So when we see the face of Jesus, our faces will shine like his do. That will be like him when we see him. Let's pray. Father, as we think about the mission that we have, we ask that you would sustain us. We thank you that Jesus has gone first, that he has suffered and he has died. He has been crushed and forsaken. And Father, we have seen the glory that he has found in the, in the cross, that he has been resurrected and he is sitting at your right hand. And Father, he has greater beauty in the fact that he died for our sins and was raised to life than if he had just stayed himself that he could have been content sitting at your side forever. But Father, he has suffered and he has, he has brought us along and glorified us with him. And so Father, I ask that you would give us a desire to, to suffer that we may bring life to the world. Father, would you show us how we can serve the world, how we can love them, how we can proclaim that Jesus is Lord through our service. Father, I... I ask that you would give us faith. I ask that you would open our, open our eyes and our hearts that this is, this can feel very intangible and that life is very present. And so, Father, would you give us eyes to see your glory? Would you give us a desire for it? Father, would you 
give us thoughts of heaven. And you would keep us moving towards the things that are eternal. Namely, the face of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name.